psalm. A psalm of all-out praise to God for the fact of his delivering grace and mercy, which rescued David from an otherwise impossible escape. The overall theme of this psalm is the reward and renewal of waiting on God. In verses 1 through 5, the psalm begins to unpack the reward of waiting on God. And from these first five verses, we see David's rescue and David's reflection. First, there's David's rescue. We see this in verses 1 through 3. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. The fact that David waited patiently for the Lord's deliverance tells us that there was no one else David could trust to set him free. His situation, as he tells us, found him in the pit of destruction, in a miry bog, out of which no human power could deliver. So, what does David do? He waits patiently on God. He prays and cries to the Lord, who alone is his Savior. And how does the Lord respond? Well, what does David say? David testifies that what was impossible for man proved no difficulty for God. Again, verse 2, He, the Lord, drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. The Lord delivered David completely. And this reminds us, beloved, of the absolute sovereign power of God in saving sinners. The Lord saves not in part. He saves in the whole. He saves completely and for eternity. Those he saves, he keeps saved. And while on this side of glory, we're in the progression of being sanctified. Yet, there's going to come a day, a day which God has already decreed, a day in which the Lord, having ordained from eternity, Romans 8 tells us that we have already been glorified from where God is sitting. Therefore, the salvation that the Lord has brought to us is a salvation that will see its perfection in glory. And so it's a total salvation. And that's what you see here in these first three verses. What the Lord did for David, he did not do merely in part. He did in the whole. He did in the whole. 
So, second to this, we then see David's reflection. From his rescue, now his reflection. And that's in verses 4 and 5, where we read this, Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. Looking back at what God had done for David, there is a lesson to draw out for the rest of God's people. And that lesson is this. Make God alone your trust over against the proud claims of man whose works are futile. Let me say that again. Make God alone your trust over against the proud claims of man whose works are futile. This is what David is stressing in verse 4. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray, after a lie. The proud boast in who they are. They boast in what they can do, but all their works are futile. They are futile. It is, it is empty boasting, empty bragging. No, David is instructing us by the Spirit inspiring him. Learn from my experience. Look at what God has done for me. Make the Lord your trust even as I have. Even as I have. And so David's larger point is this. No one can compare to God and what God can do. No one can compare to God and what God can do. Indeed, David says in verse 5, You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts, which is referring to your plans toward us. None can compare with you. Now those words that David expresses, none can compare with you, those words we hear in another place in even a more dramatic way in Isaiah chapter 40. And I want you to turn there. Isaiah 40. And I'm going to read starting at verse 12 of Isaiah 40 to the end of the chapter, which is verse 31. So when you come to Isaiah 40, contextually speaking, Isaiah 40 begins with the Lord saying to his people, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Isaiah was a pre-exilic prophet, meaning that he was a prophet who preceded Israel's Babylonian captivity. 
But Isaiah, like the other pre-exilic prophets, were warning Israel, this is what's coming. This is the judgment that's coming. And of course, here in Isaiah 40, apparently many of the people of Israel were greatly discouraged and, and really wondering, well, what hope do we have? This is what's coming. And so the entire chapter of Isaiah 40 is a chapter that's saying to the people of God, look to the Lord alone, who is your hope. And starting at verse 12 to the end of the chapter, this is what we read. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span? Enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Who has measured the spirit of the Lord? Or what man shows him, the Lord, his counsel? Whom did he consult? And who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor are his beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness compare with him? An idol? A craftsman casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts for it silver chains? He who is too impoverished for an offering, chooses wood that will not rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. 
He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Sounds a lot like what we read in Psalm 40. A lot. And indeed it is. Isaiah 40 is a wonderful parallel to Psalm 40. Who are you going to compare to God? Really. Really. The nations are nothing. And count it as nothing to our great eternal God. Again, David's main driving point in the first five verses of Psalm 40. No one can compare to God and what God can do. And that is why... It is well worth our time, brothers and sisters, to wait patiently on the Lord. To wait on Him. Rather than being hasty and trying to fix whatever the situation may be, whatever the circumstances are, trying to fix it our way by the arm of the flesh the arm of the flesh will fail you every time the arm of the Lord that is what saves let's pray eternal father we We thank you for the reassurance of your word to us in Psalm chapter 40, in Isaiah chapter 40. How often do we need to be reminded, Lord, that there is none like you. There is none in all the universe who can compare to you. You have no equals. You alone are the Lord our God. And how much that encourages us and comforts us in the face of so much, Lord, that we see and experience that overwhelms us in this life, in this fallen world with its trials and tribulations even as your servant David faced in his own personal history, in that pit of destruction, in that miry bog. And yet, Lord, what do we learn from him but we see a faith worth imitating that waited patiently on you 
and you answered and you delivered and your deliverance was sufficient. Holy Father, we pray that you will work in the hearts of your people here today the encouragement, the conviction that was wrought in the heart of your servant David that you gave to the vision and heart of your prophet Isaiah to see and behold your infinite greatness, your eternal majesty, your omnipotent splendor. To know, O Lord, that you are our only hope. You are our only sure refuge. You alone are our salvation. And thus we pray that by the working of your grace, by the indwelling spirit, and by the light of your word that reveals such things to us, Lord, to increase our faith, we pray that even this day, in response to your word, may our hope and trust in you be so renewed even now. And this for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Redeemer, in whose name we humbly ask such things. Amen and amen.